I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You're listening to the Three Bonus Points Podcast with George Osborne and Ryan King. Hello and welcome to the Three Bonus Points Podcast, a fantasy football podcast that has rolled into the 2017-18 Premier League season with all guns blazing. Between us, we scored an, I'm going to call it impressive, 151 points in fantasy Premier League in game week one. Uh, my name is Ryan Keeney and I accounted for 65 of those and here's George Osborne's score of a whopper, whopping 86 points. Pretty impressed. Pretty impressed with our start there, Ryan. That that's good. Yeah, if if we're going to back up our claims to be fantasy football experts and podcast aficionados, that is a strong start. It is, and it it you can. I, I'm looking forward to you feeling the fear that I do as well, which is now that I am considered in some circles an expert at this, I now look. I, I genuinely worry myself more about how my fantasy team is doing than practically anything else that goes on in my life. So I'm I'm really chuffed to hit the season. With I, an I've week had day six. I've had I've had my first taste of that. Um, so in off the back of oh, starting the podcast and uh, it's going sixty five points. A few people have responded with, oh, maybe I should listen to your podcast, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, I'm, hello, new listeners, if you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, also, um, also, yeah, the pr- the pressure is starting to mount and I'm, I'm not sure where it will be headed by week 35 or 36 if I keep this up. Yeah. Um, anyway, what a, what a lovely weekend of Premier League football it was. Some brilliant goals, a couple of surprise results and a few players that suddenly became must-haves. Ahmed Hagazi is now owned by 10% of players having started the season. Much, much lower than that. Uh, George, how would you rate game week one? I thought it was... I mean, there were definitely, obviously, some surprise results in terms of the fixtures. You know, Chelsea's implosion really stood out. Liverpool failing to win at Watford also stood out. But I think in terms of, like, a fantasy perspective, there there might not have been quite as many surprises as as people were thinking. You know, we got a goal for Lacazette. We got goals for Lukaku. um, We got Mane, Salah, Firmino all recording. Kane didn't record, but... You know, it's a away fixture at the start of the season. That's not necessarily a massive sign of anything going 
two amiss. City won um, as well, and you know Aguero got on the score sheet, so that's that's a fancy football classic. And I mean, perhaps there was a little bit of surprise with how well Huddersfield came out of the blocks. I think particularly Steve Munier, who I think we'd been tipping quite extensively on the podcast prior to the start of the season, recorded a couple. But yes, I, I mean, I would say that actually part of the reason why I feel I did quite well in that first game week was that things went relatively according to the book. Southampton got the clean sheets that I was expecting. Manchester United, Mkhitaryan and Lukaku. I brought in Mkhitaryan right before the deadline, both recorded. And the Liverpool men helped me out significantly. So yes, a bit of a surprise in terms of the results perhaps, but maybe not too much to your FPL followers. Yeah, it was, with the exception of maybe a handful, everybody, all the big players scored pretty handsomely, I think. Yes, exactly. And and the few that missed out, I mean, for example, um, Kevin De Bruyne and Gabriel Jesus, you know, there was, I think I'll probably return to this a little bit when we're discussing the coming fixtures. But I believe there was a goal ruled out for offside from Jesus that was assisted by De Bruyne. Now, I think it was actually an offside. But, you know, in, in, in the world of fancy football, a slightly incompetent linesman could very easily have turned that into a return for both players, at which point their prospects could look quite different. So I think the, the main thing to remember is... It's only the first week. Let's try not to read too much into it to begin with and instead see how people perform over the coming weeks as well. Yeah, I think having got both De Bruyne and Jesus in my side and watching that Man City game live, um, the chance, I think it was the one where Jesus got clattered by the keeper on his way in. It was either ruled over a handball or offside or something. But yeah, it, but for, as you say, a linesman decision or just uh, kind of a, a slightly... Uh, earlier goal for City to to open up Brighton and there might have been more goals in that game for them but I think they got the result I expected them to I didn't expect Brighton to to roll over um, and just let City kind of pick them apart I expected a tight game and and that's what we got so um, yeah that that was the the only not the only left time because I could have scored more points but captaining Jesus um, when Lukaku was also on my side and scored uh, a handsome 13 points was a a tad disappointing yeah Uh, but we move on, uh, I guess, and, and worry about it. Is there uh, were there any teams that disappointed you? Like, hello, Crystal Palace, I guess. In this yeah, that we expected a bit more from them, didn't we? Well, I mean, I saw a bit of that match, and they looked shambolic at times. I, I, I think it's difficult to say again because it's the first week of the season. We don't want to rule it out anything too much. In particular, you know, my my pre-match excitement about the prospects of Ruben Loftus Cheek, who's only four point five million, being moved a little bit further for forward, so he was going to be, you know, essentially an attacking midfielder. That was actually quite exciting. Um, and then suddenly the performance that they put in was an absolute stinker. And I think in particular, there seems to be a clash between the style that uh, De Boer is attempting to introduce, which I think is more possession-based, and the strengths of Palace last season when they did perform pretty well towards mm. the end, which was wing play crossing in towards Benteke. So I believe there's going to be potentially some problems there. Yeah, I, I just the the idea that Crystal Palace... I know I, I was probably... Uh, at fault for this, but kind of assuming that Palace would be able to seamlessly transition from away from the, the manager they previously had to Frank de Boer, which is they're just a massive contrast in style, aren't they? They're, they're not. It's, there's Sam Allardyce, Frank de Boer are very their their philosophies in football and their style of play and the things they will ask of the players are very very different. Yeah, and I think I just got I allowed myself to get caught up in the idea that de Boer would bring this nice attacking free flowing play that he's done at Ajax and and is really really 
fun. Um, it was really, really good. Yeah. And yeah, it just didn't work. And Huddersfield arguably had the perfect game plan to, to counter that with their high pressing and, and no nonsense, I guess, up front. Precisely. Um, let's. Any causes of concern in your team? Do you think you might have picked a little bit too much for the first game week? Or are you okay? You're not worried about too many changes for game week two? Honestly, my only concern at the moment is whether Charlie Taylor... Um, the Burnley left back is going to play. Um, he's my fifth choice defender. Uh, he didn't start against Chelsea. I did sort of expect him to start the season, but I think um, Deitch went for Stephen Ward. Now I'm not sure if that's just you know putting in a little bit of someone who's got a little bit of league experience going away to you know what was obviously the champ you know what are the champions mm. as it currently stands. So I'm a little bit worried about whether he's going to start at the weekend because I've actually moved him into my side, but. No harm if he doesn't, in particular, as long as he doesn't come off the bench, you know, as a substitute with sort of half an hour remaining. But I think I'm keeping an eye on that. And there is, you know, that slight concern about Kevin De Bruyne because of his price tag. You know, I mean, at 10 million, he is a very pricey midfielder and I can't really afford to have him if he's not recording. But everything seems... I mean, everything looking at my side, it, it looks roughly how I want it to. And I think I'd much rather, if at all possible, just hold out for next week to give myself the option to make two changes when I know a little bit more about how the league's shake, shaping up before I go in and make any particular changes. Yeah, I want to, I would li- ideally like to build up the free transfers as well. I think it's too air. Uh, I know that I've been quite dismissive of Palace, and I thought, I'd, from what I've seen in the Eastern Times, they were pretty poor. Um, but in the same state, I don't want to get too carried away with the performances of Huddersfield or um, even Man United and uh, how well they've played. Or Southampton, who, other than you know, drawing a blank against Swansea, created some nice chances. I think the the temptation is that Mounier is only £6 million, uh, and his price will only continue to rise. Aaron Moy is only 5.5 and his price will rise as, as more people get on him. Uh, that And even Hagazi at West Brom, the players that start the season well, you could waste the transfer bringing them in and actually that's that might have been the best performance they produce all season long or the, at least in terms of fantasy point scoring I can't see Hagazi um, backing up another 15 pointer no um, I, at any point this season and if you look at a lot of the things like the most transferred in players you're seeing things like um, you know you've got two Huddersfield players in the top 10 obviously Munier is one of them but Zanka or Matthias Jorgensen mm. the centre-back he's another one and it's like we've discussed previously about the, the general poor quality of their defensive record in the championship now I know they strengthened in the summer but it is quite a strong thing to be backing a, a Huddersfield centre-back off the basis of one performance. And equally, you know, the fourth most transferring goalkeeper this week, Jonas Lossel, again, another Huddersfield pick. It's a little bit like, well, perhaps we're jumping on that bandwagon a little bit too soon. And then equally, in terms of things with, with Manchester City, you know, Hazus and Harry Ke- sorry, Hazus and... Um, uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, are the fourth most transferred out midfielder and fourth most transferred out forward respectively um, after only one poor performance and the reason why I was mentioning Harry Kane is that he's the most transferred out striker this week because he blanked against Newcastle and it's a bit like well I can understand especially amongst those more expensive players that you maybe don't want to be you know risking it too much but you equally don't want to be panicking there's no point in doing it when we've only had 90 minutes of, of, of football played so far this season so yeah. you know be obviously be mindful of things and be willing to make changes but don't jump the gun too early just to follow what one match has told us yeah i i think this is people panicking and and knee-jerk reactions and um kian had 
two very good chances against Newcastle on another day he comes away with a brace there yeah um, and and people are, are flocking to him I know he's very expensive at 12.5 and and as we mentioned Jesus had that one goal disallowed he also had other chances there was a, a free header that was well saved by Matt Ryan that we were both moving in the same direction and Jesus tried to bring it back across him so there there are I think positives in those performances and it's only been one game uh, City are going to be at home to Everton who got a good result in the opening weekend but I, I don't necessarily think they'll, they'll be uh, good enough to stop City yeah. in, in match day in game week 2 match day 2 but, um, on Monday night I, I quite fancy City to to keep moving and keep rolling yeah because it's an interesting one I think that's because I, I mean we're going to obviously I think start talking about game week 2 very very soon I mean if it's okay I might just dive in with a little bit of insight into that match if that's okay yeah, yeah, sure. So, because it, it's an interesting one, because last time out, last season, it was a one-all draw um, between City and Everton, and Stekelenburg, um, who was in, in goal, I think, saved a penalty. Um, it was one of those matches where City were essentially hammering at the door all game, and even though they did get through once, they didn't get through again. Um, and Everton, I, I think, are really interesting. They've easily got the worst five fixtures coming up of any side in the league at the moment. I mean, if you're looking at their fixtures at the moment, they've got City away, followed by Chelsea away, followed by Tottenham at home, followed by Manchester United away, followed by Bournemouth at home. Now, that is not at all an easy start to the season. But there are a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning in terms of Everton. I mean, obviously, the transfer of Guilfi Sigurdsson is going to be something that's going to be worth watching out for. I don't. I wouldn't jump on, on top of him immediately because I'm not sure whether he will play this weekend or whether he'll be lined up for next weekend. I also just don't know how effective he's going to be without um, the Lorente partnership because I think mm. that was, an, that was a, a central part of his effectiveness last season from set pieces. However, um, you know, I decided, you know, at the death to transfer Jordan Pickford out for Fraser Forster from Southampton just before uh, game week one begun. And while I'm not too sure that Pickford's going to pick up too many assists in the the coming weeks, tomorrow, um, sorry, not tomorrow, Monday, looks like a perfect chance for him to at least be picking up save points because if City perform in any way that was similar to their match last season, they are going to be peppering that goal with plenty of shots. So I think there's going to be the opportunity there. If you've got Pickford in your side and you're struggling over who's going to potentially keep a clean sheet or not, there might be save points worth picking up there. And then again, you know, talking about City's attacking options, you know, De Bruyne, Jesus, Aguero, they did all actually look pretty good last weekend. And I think what's interesting as well is that people are shifting over towards David Silva, um, who got himself an assist. And I think when you look at David Silva, and we were looking at it a little bit in pre-season, De Bruyne, 33 starts uh, versus Silva's 31 last season. It looks as if at 8 million, he could be the sort of the really natural replacement for De Bruyne if he does get off to the you know lightning quick start that we're hoping for in terms of recording assists so I think those are probably the main things to be looking out for from for that particular game hmm. I like, I like the swapping silver for De Bruyne makes sense because you can free up money to then upgrade elsewhere as well precisely um, if De Bruyne doesn't get moving um looking elsewhere in the uh, in the game week the standout match is probably Chelsea and, and Spurs can you see that? Do you think the champions are going to start with two defeats? I think that's very possible. Um, I think, I, I mean, again, because this is talking about the difficulty of assessing performances too early in the season. You know, Spurs at home at Wembley for the first time in the league. Um, you know, what impact is that going to have? 
perhaps it's you know it always seems like one of those things where it always seems a little bit ridiculous to potentially cite that as an influence but we saw it last season with West Ham that they didn't adapt to their move to the London Stadium particularly quickly at all so on the one hand you know you've got those kinds of factors operating potentially in Chelsea's favour but against that you know obviously two players sent off last week Cahill and Fabregas which presents problems for two fancy managers as a result of that Morata did play well when he came off the bench onto the pitch but you know again it's a little bit like I think half an hour of football it's not a hugely um, consistent indicator for either the match itself or for fancy managers and then I think really importantly for Spurs although Kane didn't get off the mark Ericsson and Ali did um, you know both of them performed well at Newcastle and I think as long as two out of those three are clicking in any particular game there's a real threat there so I mean in terms of what that means potentially for fancy football um, you know I think the big one is that people who have, have Harry Kane will have to watch really hard about how he performs you know I've been pretty defensive of him so far today but at 12.5 million and with 52% of managers now owning Romelu Lukaku I think if he's not scoring soon you're going to have to be thinking very very hard about whether you want to go for Lukaku to into your attacking lineup because quite simply I think his record at home for Everton last year plus Manchester United's performance on that opening day of the season indicates that he's going to go well. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And then in terms of the Chelsea perspective, well, I think you had a, a couple of questions for me about that. Well, I wanted to throw a scenario at you, really. Um, so there are about 80,000 managers out there who have got both Cahill and Fabregas in the team. So I wanted to just check how you would try to fix that. Do you think it's worth dumping both and taking the points hit or get rid of Cahill as he will, I would assume, be out for longer with the straight red as opposed to Fabregas and two yellows and one match suspension? Yeah, because it, it's an interesting one because it's... it's uh, it's fairly straightforward if it's one or the other. You know, like Fabregas, mm-hmm. um, for example, um, cost the same amount as William. William got an opening uh, day of the season goal. Okay, that seems like a, a pretty straightforward swap to me. Um, Cahill, I think, is also pretty straightforward as well. I know that he was the top scorer last season from defence in terms of fantasy football, but missing three games... He's pretty expensive. I think it's much better to look towards, you know, one of the Manchester United defenders, you know, who've got the fifth easiest coming run, you know, the likes of Jones or Valencia to potentially transfer them out. When you've got both, the problem then is obviously, you know, like you say, do you take the four-point hit? And my my gut feeling is that you don't. Um, My gut feeling would be that if you do have Fabregas and Cahill in your side, I would probably drop Fabregas to the bench um, and relegate him to the final substitute. And then with Gary Cahill, what I would do is I'd be looking to transfer him out for an alternative option, potentially either from Manchester United or from somewhere like Spurs. I think the number of games that he's going to miss, plus the fact that Chelsea just generally have looked a little bit shaky, and the fact that, you know, Manchester United 
Spurs, and I think even Manchester City, you know, on the opening day of the season, they all looked as if they were going to be potentially picking up clean sheets. So I think one of the pros of the fact that it was Gary Cahill getting sent off is that at least he's expensive enough that you can invest it very easily into someone else. So yes, Mm. it's a pain that he has been sent off. It's a pain particularly that he took that, you know, minus three score into the opening weekend for a number of different managers. But in terms of his value, I think, in, and particularly that transfer value, you've got more than enough money to reinvest there. Yeah, my so I attempted to answer this. So my thinking was Ditch Cahill. I think with Chelsea playing <clears throat> um, Spurs away, Everton at home, Leicester away, Arsenal at home, and then Man City not long after, I think you can get rid of Cahill until the end of September, um, until I think an international break. Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, and then bring him back in. Um, and as then Chelsea go on a better run, yeah. Chelsea will will get their act together in defence, and they will start picking up clean sheets, and they will do it with their captain in the side. I can't see him staying out of the team as much as I like uh, Christensen and think he's a really good defender. Yeah, um, but yeah, I so it, I, I think it, it's very much cut your losses. Fabregas will probably come back into the side, um, given the lack of midfielders, and and it's only a one match suspension. So yeah, I agree that he could stay on the bench. Although I do would like a Maverick. To uh, to just ditch both and, and take the points hit yeah. and go for it really. Um, I also wanted to pick up on Southampton um, basically because there was something I noticed this week that they're not in a good run of form. I know it's dating back to last season, but since um, April and a, a one 0 win over West Brom, they've won one of nine games I think in the Premier League, including the nil nil against Swansea. Now, given I know I've, I've said they created good chances and and actually restricted Swansea pretty well, who were without Sigurdsson. Do you do you worry about Southampton? They've not had a massive overhaul of, of players, or do you think because of given their start and their easy start that we talked about, do you think there's going to be something there to ease them in nicely? And actually, a West Brom side, or, sorry, a West Ham side, low, low on confidence this weekend is exactly what they need coming for their first uh, second home game of the season. Even well, when I, I was thinking about this from a fancy football perspective, you know, Southampton's season last year, I think in many ways were defined by the fact that a lot of their defenders and Forster, they were scoring pretty consistently actually throughout the season and the fact that they opened up with a clean sheet, um, you know, I had Forster in my side but I also had Jack Stevens. um, you know for fantasy managers at least with Southampton, um, if you're relying upon defensive picks, I'm actually not too worried, I mean they've got Manchester United fairly soon which is obviously going to be a game week where you're going to be wanting to um, make sure you have some decent options on the bench to potentially rotate out a centre-back and perhaps a centre-back and a goalkeeper. Um, but again, I feel like they look like they're well-organised defensively and they didn't, even without Van Dijk, look particularly as if they were under pressure on that opening that weekend of the season, which means that they will probably pick up wins here and there. And in terms of their league form, you know, their, their good defence will make sure that even if they're scoring fairly, you know, irregularly then that means that they will win games but the problem is obviously if you're someone like me who's looking at a Gabbiadini or Charlie Austin as a a cheap striker to supplement your options elsewhere the key question is like do you hold on to them and you know my gut feeling is 
if they don't start scoring soon, then no, you know, irrespective of the easiness of their run. You know, there are other teams who've got relatively decent attacking options who have very favourable run-ins, you know. So um, you've got teams like West Ham, for example, you know, Javier Hernandez, Chicharito, who looks like he's a very good, solid option. You've even got Manchester United with Rashford, who may be sort of one of those options who you're thinking, if you can push the boat out a little bit, it looks a lot like that Rashford and Lukaku are going to be playing alongside one another. So even if you are saving a little bit of money by having someone like Gabby in your side if they're not scoring there's not really a huge amount of you know point in having them in your side so um, what I'd say about Southampton is defensively I think they'll be okay but I think in terms of actually putting the ball in the back of the net there could be a problem and if there is that could have a knock-on effect for your fantasy team the week that Southampton play Man United Burnley hosts Huddersfield at home which will be a horrible game of Burnley shutting shutting down Huddersfield and, and really just playing to their weaknesses um, so yeah you just bring in Burnley players exactly. have, a, have a Burnley defender as your fifth defender and, and rotate them in for Stevens or Bertrand or whoever really precisely yeah that, that was just something I mean I, that did kind of flag up because uh, to me and then I think about four weeks later, you can ditch Southampton players because they then go on a, a miserable run that's, through November and December. That's it. I mean, like in terms of what that means for my side, I'm looking towards a wild card in late October, early November, <laughs> like because I've I've got three Southampton players on my side at the moment, and um, by that point in the season, I'm hoping that you know we'll be seeing a little bit more whether Huddersfield can remain consistent, how much of a goal threat maybe Brighton or Newcastle are offering going forwards. You know, we're going to have a little bit more information there, so that's that's what I'm planning towards at the moment in time as soon as Southampton's lovely run of fixtures end uh, it's pretty much abandoned ship Fair enough um, the other game that I want to focus on we'll, we'll talk about the, the league in general but was Liverpool at home to Crystal Palace that is a Liverpool are another side that are going to press Palace high aren't they They're, there's a chance they probably will concede but there's definitely a chance Liverpool could score a hatful yeah, I mean, in terms of Liverpool's record against Palace since they've been back as Premier League sides, they've scored in every single game against Crystal Palace um, since that's happened. So there will be goals. Um, I think the problem for Liverpool is that I believe that Palace have scored in pretty much every single game in the Premier League since their return against Liverpool as well. And in fact, um, you know, in terms of Palace's record in four of the last six Premier League games against Liverpool, they've won them. You know, like Palace are one of Liverpool's bogey teams, you know, um, even going back to that free all where back when Brendan Rodgers was in charge, which kind of absolutely killed stone dead Liverpool's um, title chances, you know, there has been that element of bogey team. The thing that's, I think, worth considering. Um, so first of all, if Liverpool are scoring, that means almost certainly that there's going to be a return for Salah, Mane or Firmino, and quite possibly a return for all three of them. You know, it's, it's more than possible that they will all get onto the score sheet or get an assist in some form um, because, frankly, they do look that dangerous and Palace do look quite shambolic. Um, but on the flip side, it depends upon how the board reacts to uh, that first week result. If he reacts to it by doubling down on this attempt to switch to a more possession-based style and he goes to Liverpool and tries to do that, there is a potential chance, obviously, for them to get completely battered. But if he changes it back to the style that they were playing last season, Christian Benteke has historically had a pretty good scoring record against Liverpool, both before he signed for them and after, you know, when, when he went off to Palace. So it's one of those things where it's a little bit trickier to call, but my gut instinct is, um, and I think my gut instinct is, is backed up seemingly by the fact that um, 
there seems to be a lot of transfer activity behind the likes of Salah, Firmino and, and even towards Mane that you really want to be looking at those Liverpool options Yeah, even when Klopp was managing Dortmund in, in the Bundesliga he never had a great defensive record there was all, especially towards the end they were always shipping 40 plus goals a season um, so not quite won a game but they were never never could be relied on for clean sheets and I don't think he will be trying to implement that at Liverpool so I'll be, I would I will be avoiding their defenders all season um, unless it is a, a super easy run of fixtures but their attackers are just too mouth-watering yeah. um, I think I, I just I don't know if Fosu Mensah and um, Rido Wald and Tompkins will have all had enough time this week to work on the the problems that they had yeah um, I, I, I'm I'm hoping Liverpool score a hatful and I'm hoping all of it goes through Mohamed Salah <laughs> yeah. to be brutally honest with you um, let's talk captain's pick sticking with Lukaku uh, I'm probably going towards Firmino um, for the same reason that, that you are which is looking at my Liverpool picks but um, that's still how I'm sitting on it at the moment but I mean, in terms of my... So here were the options within the the players that I've had. I've got Lukaku, um, and he was a really great captain pick for me last week, but his record away from home um, when he was at Everton was always consistently much worse than his record at home. Now, I know that Swansea are more of one of those flat-track bully sides where he could potentially um, get off the mark, and he, you know, I'd probably say that he's likely to score... But I feel as if that that Liverpool Palace fixture looks like a lot more sort of attractive in terms of potentially, you know, recording some impressive totals for you to to boost with your captaincy. Um, I also think as well with Manchester United, there's, there is a little bit of a question about whether you'd want to consider someone like Mkhitaryan as your captain. Um, you know, two assists, bonus point last week, and his ownership's only eleven percent. So. If, you know, someone like Lukaku, 52% ownership does either blank or only gets one. And Pogba, whose ownership is much higher than Mkhitaryan's, um, but I'm not too sure about how, you know, aggressive he's going to be. I think he could be a good, you know, alternative, slightly radical captain's pick, if you, if you want to say it. Um, then in terms of the Liverpool trio, um, Firmino, Mane, Salah, all good potential captain choices. Sal is the most widely owned, so if you do captain him, uh, you know that there's probably going to be more people getting benefits from that as well, but then it also gives you a bit of immunisation if he does go off to score a hat-trick. Um, but if you're fancying maybe getting a little bit of an edge, maybe you are looking towards Firmino or Mane, I'm at now that you've mentioned your Kathleen Salah, I'm also considering Salah instead of Firmino as well. So, you know, you can still change your mind. You know, you've got much more time to work with the deadline this this week because it's not on Friday evening, so that's handy. Um, and then in terms of three other picks, um, you know, ranking them down in terms of players who I think will be able to record. Jamie Vardy got off to a great start last week against Arsenal. Um, he's at home against Brighton. Um, ownership's on the rise, but I think if you were to potentially bring him in and captain him ahead of this weekend, you may well be able to get yourself quite an interesting sort of captain differential. Harry Kane, yeah, I know. Okay, we've we've discussed this already pretty extensively. Um, challenging tight at home, and he blanked last week. But he was the most sold striker. Um, so that means that there are a lot of people who've just abandoned him early. Um, and if you are handing him the armband against the depleted Chelsea side, I'm not too sure too many people are going to go that same direction as well. So again, that's an opportunity for you to grab something a little bit different. And then lastly, my wild outside choice and based pretty much solely on last season and the fact that we keep talking about him on the podcast, Steve Mounier. Um, 
two goals. He's got a reasonable home fixture against Newcastle. Um, and yeah, I know that his ownership has bumped up quite significantly this week in terms of the number of people purchasing him. But you're still looking at him as a relatively niche pick and almost certainly a very niche captain's choice. So, you know, if you are on the lookout, if you maybe are, you had a bad game week one and you're looking for something a little bit different, maybe consider Vardy, Kane or Mounier to help you get back in the game. For reasons that you have kind of alluded to with people abandoning ship on players, I am in two minds about Gabriel Jesus or Mohamed Salah for my captain this week. That That's where I will be and I will probably be sitting over at 11.15 <laughs> on Saturday morning um, just just pondering it. That I, th- I think I'm happy with everything else. I'm not che- not making any transfers. Um, James Ward-Prowse didn't record an assist but took seven corners so it's clear he's on set pieces and while I'm tempted by Aaron Moy he took corners as well for Huddersfield but I want to give him another couple of weeks to to prove himself as a consistent performer but yeah it's it's just who the captain I I don't know whether given that Jesus has been abandoned by so many his ownership is 11% there won't be that many people that captain him against Everton but I worry that I might regret it by the time we get round to Monday night everybody else will have scored points everybody else will have got their captains coming in and that will just put unwarded pressure on me yeah and with with Everton they've played four competitive matches so far this season and they haven't conceded so I know that they're going to have more of a struggle against Manchester City than against the sort of slightly dulled lights of Europa League opposition but still you know that's a relatively impressive start to the season defensively and I feel as if I'd probably avoid Manchester City players just in case they have another frustrating day like they did last season but um, Salah I think he looks good this is going to be what this is probably the first occasion this season where I'm just going to ignore your advice, George, and I'm almost certainly going to go to this now because everything says that I shouldn't, and I like a maverick pick. That's I like. I love going for the unpredictable. I love a brave pick too. So even, <laughs> even if I'm not recommending it, I, you know, I admire the thinking. Thanks. Uh, before we go, just wanted to mention a quick reminder of our competition. Um, Ockley Books, the Yorkshire-based sports book publisher, um, have given us three prizes to give away in our mini-league. So the top three places at the end of September will win a book of their choice. I know you you might have missed week game week one if you only join now, but there's still a chance to get in there and win um, free books. There's only, I think the leader's on 100 points. You can make that up. In, that's 20 points a week to make up on everybody else. You can do that. Um, get yourself up, get yourself obviously signed up to the FPL Mini League, details of which are on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, all with the username 3 bonus points. that's number 3 bonus PTS. If you want to get in touch with the show, uh, feel free to contact us on social media or email in show at 3 com with any questions, queries or suggestions. Good luck for game week 2. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.